to all here in the Lord's house to once again uh, worship him, to receive his gifts that he has prepared for us of word and sacrament. Why don't we take a moment this morning to stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Members, as always, if you see somebody that you don't recognize, walk up and say hi. Tell them what your favorite animal is. Good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Frysat, Missouri. I am Scott George and it is my privilege to be your announcer on this third Sunday in Lent. Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service today is the organist Mrs. Susan Seniger and the acolytes Peyton Manning and Kay Brown. Today's radio broadcast is being sponsored by funds donated to the radio ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church and dedicated to the glory of God. Good to see you. All right, we have just a few announcements before we begin with our worship service this morning. First of all, remember that the carnival that was postponed is coming up this coming Friday, March the 24th. School will be dismissed on that day at 1 o'clock, and the carnival is at 5.30, I believe. Is that right, Mrs. Menning? Okay, at 5.30. Uh, the Ladies' Aid Workday is scheduled for March 27th. If you have any questions about that, uh, please see one of the ladies. April the 2nd is New Members Sunday. We will be welcoming in nine new members into our church family, and so we are very excited about that. And there will be a luncheon to follow after the worship service. So April the 2nd is New Members Sunday, a luncheon to follow afterwards. We are continuing our Bible class series on the book of Matthew, so please join us for that at 8.45 a.m. over in the school's cafeteria. If you uh, are in need of child care at any point during the service, all that you have to do is just walk right outside, hang a left, and it is in the, the nursery, is in the chapel that is on the, the side of our sanctuary. Also, Kasten Lee Menning uh, will be baptized next Sunday, so please join us for that as well. And then the final announcement that I have is a letter that was written by Pastor Guile to our congregation, and I wanted to take just a moment to read that letter uh, to you. It says, Dear Freistadt friends, first, my apologies for the lateness of this. Mary was the push that got me to get things done. I want to thank all of you who sent cards and letters and said prayers and supported Mary and our family. Your support meant and means so much to us. Mary loved Trinity Freistadt and the people there. I do too. It is, a, it is a special and unique place and has been a joy to worship with you over the past 10 years. It's just too bad you didn't build your church north of Bolivar. It became a ritual when we'd come to Freistadt. I'd drive to the truck stop east of Mount Vernon on 44 and she'd drive the rest of the way so I could go over the sermon once more. When we walked around the car to switch drivers, we'd say to one another, see you at church. We didn't do much talking after that because she thought I should concentrate on the sermon. On the way back, Mary would drive most of the way back to Bolivar, and I'd sleep on and off. I guess she got her sleep during the sermon. (laughs) But we enjoyed talking about the good folks at Trinity on the way back and at supper. There was always something to talk about that made it a joy to be there. 
Thank you for being one of God's blessings to us. God is so good. Mary was never in the hospital before this except to have the children. The only time she was really sick was when she got bitten by a brown recluse spider about two years ago. We got to celebrate Christmas with our family at Thanksgiving, which we'd been doing since we moved to Bolivar 10 years ago. God gave us almost 52 years together. He gave us plenty of time in those last few days to talk about the wonderful life that we've had together. Pastor Sippy put it this way. What more can you ask? You had a lifetime together, and you got to be with her when she went to heaven. And in her last hours on earth, she was completely aware of what was happening and that she was going to be with her Savior. And she was smiling. She has reached her part of our goal. God is so good. Mary was cremated. I will be too. The girls will see to it that some of our ashes will be where Mary's family is buried in Algonquin, Illinois, some where my family is buried in Milwaukee, and some scattered where we spent the last 10 years together. But you know where we'll be. God is so good. And he signs it, Blessings, Retired Preacher. And in case you haven't seen it yet, Mary's uh, memorial service will be at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Springfield at 11 a.m. on Saturday, May 6th. So that's Redeemer Lutheran Church, Springfield, 11 a.m., Saturday, May 6th. And I just wanted to take the opportunity to read that letter to all of us here this morning. And so with that, let's open our service today. Not yet, Glenn has an an announcement for us. Okay, so the psalm boards on this side are not right. Please use the psalm boards on this side. Oh, I know what happened. This is, the first one is the hymn of the day. The next one is the, I'm sorry, the first one is the opening hymn. Next one is the hymn of the day. The next one is the, close, is the closing hymn. These are the distribution hymns, okay? So distribution hymns, uh, opening hymn, hymn, hymn of the day, and closing hymn. All right, very good. And let's open our service today with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful for this morning that you have given to us. And we pray, Lord, uh, that you would uh, open our hearts, open our minds to these words of love and hope and peace and comfort that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrament that is here, the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, And now, Lord, we ask, as we always do, that you would give us a zeal this morning for your house of worship here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so we open our service today with our opening hymn, Praise the One Who Breaks the Darkness. That's number 849, 849.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father. I, poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. How lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. In whose heart are the highways of Zion. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. Testament reading today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandments of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? 
But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you, and there is a rock at Horeb, and you shall strike that rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Mirabah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's special music is the Trinity Ringers, directed by Lori Evett, uh, playing When I Survey the Wonders Cross.
very much for here. It's extremely lovely piece. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's now time for all the young disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message. So come on up for the children's message. <clears throat> Good morning. How is everybody? Good. It's Sunday, right? So everybody's, everybody's good, yeah? Okay. What we're going to do today is we're going to go in just a little few seconds. We're going to go on a, on a miniature field trip. Hey, hey, buddy. Can you have a seat? Thank you. Okay. We're going to go on a miniature field trip. We're not going to go very far. But uh, the field trip is to talk about one of the Bible verses that I'm going to be referencing in my message today, which is Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, it talks about how Jesus has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Okay, and so just to kind of, oh yeah, so just to kind of get an idea of sort of a, of, of how far that that is from the east is to the west, I brought along my phone. And on my phone, it's pretty cool. There's a compass on it. And I am going to tell us which way is west. And when you know it, west is that way. Yes, it does. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Pastor's kids, I'm telling you. Okay. Okay, so it looks like west is that way. So can you all stand up? And we're going to all walk down the center aisle towards west, okay? Here we go. Ready as I go. Walk, walk to the back where Mr. Jerry is there, okay? Keep going. It's kind of hard to stay on true west. All right, keep going. Good job. Keep going. Walk back to Mr. Jerry there, Okay. It's kind of a long way to west, huh? Kind of. Okay. All right. So everybody come over here. So this is west, right? Okay. All right, good. Now, everybody follow Mrs. Wormington to east, which is back that way. So let me get my compass going and go back east and go back and have a seat when you get back up, up there. Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Okay. On a side note, in case anybody is wondering, Freistad is 1,395 feet above, or at, or yeah, 1,390 feet above sea level. So there you go. Okay, good. So we went from the west, well, okay, we went from the west to the east. And of course, we didn't go all the way east, but we went a little ways there, okay? Well, that's how far 
the Bible says, that Jesus has removed our sins. It's kind of a lot like if we were to keep walking outside of the church doors and just keep heading west, okay, and if, if we were to walk back this way and go through that back door and just keep heading, heading east and just keep walking and walking and walking, that's a long way, okay? That's what yeah, Psalm 100, it is a long way. That's what Psalm 103 tells us, is that because that of, like a long time. it does look like a long time, you're right, is, is because of, of Jesus' death on the cross, that's how far that he has removed our sins from us. And the best part is, is that, and we're going to talk more about this in the sermon, but it doesn't matter what sin that you have committed. Any sin, any sin that you can think of, Jesus' blood has covered it, and it has forgiven it. And he welcomes us here. Daddy? He welcomes us back. Hang on a minute. Good he welcomes staff. us here. It's a microphone. Here, sit down here. He welcomes us here. And he welcomes us back in to his family each and every time because we are his family, because we are his dearly beloved children, okay? All right, will you guys put your hands together and repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming up, and you guys can go back and sit with your folks. Epistle lesson today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through his through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us For while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly for one will for one would dare die for one will scarcely sparsely die for a righteous person Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of our Lord. Thank you. Please rise. Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, weird as he was from his journey, 
was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the gospel of our Lord. We now say together the words of our Christian faith using the Apostles' Creed. You'll find that printed on the back inside cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of Jesus Christ, his one and Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.
Will you all pray with me, please? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father, through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for the message this morning is from the gospel lesson that was just read. You want to have that in front of you because we will be going through it as we go along with the message this morning. The last verse of the hymn that we just sang reads, Jesus sinners doth receive, also I have been forgiven. And when I, on, and when I this earth must leave, I shall find an open heaven. Dying still to him I cleave, Jesus sinners doth receive. I want to start off this message by saying that the sinners that, Jesus, that this hymn speaks of is all sinners. Not just the ones that are here this morning, not just the ones that are convenient to love, but all sinners. They all have the opportunity to cling and to cleave to Jesus and to his cross. And that is what we are going to be talking about this morning with the text from the woman at the well. There are several different scripture readings, specifically the ones that we read about in the Gospels, that can bring about different emotions. Some of them, we can read them, and by the end of the time that we have read it, they, we are happy. Some of the, of the times we are sad, some of, the to, some of them will make us laugh. And then there are some, like I feel like with this text from the woman at the well, well, they simply break your heart. Because of what this woman has to go through in order to just simply get water for herself. And how Jesus not only interacts with her, but tells her of this living water the forgiveness of her sins, all of the sins that he knows about already. And he proclaims this to her. And so let's dive right in with the story. Starting at verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that John was making the baptizing more disciples than, I'm sorry, that Jesus was, was making the baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and departed for Galilee. And he passed through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weird as it was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. A couple of things in, in those first few verses. It was absolutely a taboo thing for a Jewish person to even set foot in Samaria. You just didn't do it. Samaritans were not looked on very favorably because they were half-breeds. They were the outcasts of society. Nobody wanted anything to do with them. You could even say that many of the Jewish people believed that they were so far beyond hope that, well, there's no reason to even go into the place where they live. And yet Jesus goes there. It was about the sixth hour. Keep this in mind, because this is a, a very important context clue to the text. The sixth hour means that it was during the heat of the day, the hottest part of the entire day. And if you can imagine where this country is, it's in 
the desert. How many of you have ever been to Arizona or to Palm Springs or have ever been to the desert before in the summer? Maybe? Okay. It's, it, it's hot, right? I mean, melt your face off hot. It's very, very, very hot. You wouldn't draw water from a well during the heat of the day when it's about 125 degrees out in the shade. You just wouldn't do this. Going on to verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Again, Jesus performs a thing that would be considered taboo. Not only as a Jewish, uh, uh, a Jewish person would you not go into Samaria, you would never be caught dead talking to a woman. Ever. It wouldn't happen. And yet Jesus does this. He speaks to her. And he asked this Samarian woman, this Samaritan woman, to give him something, to give him a drink. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? You see, she knows. She understands. And she is just befuddled about this, as you would expect someone like her, a Samaritan woman, to be. Jesus answers her, um, yes, answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So not only does Jesus begin a conversation with this Samaritan woman, somebody who he is not supposed to talk to, but he engages her in conversation. He begins and shifts the conversation around to where now he is focusing and is beginning to focus on her needs. What does she need? What does she need to hear? Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Well, where do you get that living water? She still thinks that he's talking about H2O water. Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Skipping on, on down uh, to verse 16. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. This, the reason why this woman comes to the well during the hottest part of the day is because she knows that nobody else will be there. Jesus has just let her know, as if she didn't know it already, has let us as now readers know that not only is this woman a Samaritan woman, an outcast, but she has committed adultery over and over and over and over again. There were probably lots and lots of other women who were gossiping about her and saying all kinds of awful things about her behind her back. She doesn't want any interaction with anybody. She is too ashamed. She is probably sick and tired of hearing people talk about her in a negative way, whether it is behind her back or directly to her face. And so while everybody else comes to the well during the morning, she comes when nobody else does because she doesn't want to hear the whispers. 
She doesn't want to hear just the awful words that are being spoken about her. And so, Jesus then comes to this woman in her darkest hour and brings before her, again, as if she didn't already know, but brings before her her darkest and deepest sin, her darkest and deepest need. Because the man that she is currently with is not her husband, and well, she has had five husbands before that. Now, here's the thing. We don't know the woman's past. We have no idea how it is that she came to be with five husbands. We don't, we don't know. Maybe all of those husbands died. Perhaps. Maybe those, all of those husbands that she was with were abusive towards her. Certainly not out of the realm of possibility. We don't know the woman's past. But what we do know is that she feels very ashamed of it, so ashamed of it that she comes to the well again when it is melt your face off hot outside. Because she doesn't want any interaction with anybody. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. She doesn't want to be seen. You think that Jesus knew what he was doing when he went to Samaria? Yeah, he did. And so this brings about questions. Specifically, this one question. In this story, which character are you? Which character am I? Are you the woman in this story? Let's be real and very, very honest here. Have you done something in your past? Do you know people that have done things in their past that they no longer feel comfortable coming to church? Do you know people? Are you that woman who is so ashamed by what you have done or by what those folks have done that they don't even want to be seen by people anymore? They don't want to have to answer any of the questions. They don't want to hear the whispers. They don't want to get the looks. They don't want to get the glances. Are you the woman? Or do you know people that are? And again, let's be really, really honest about this. You folks would know more than I would because I haven't been here that long. But are there people that were once a part of Trinity Lutheran Church community that no longer come because they feel so ashamed? by what they've done? I mean, I, I don't know because I haven't been here long enough yet, but I'm asking all of you, are there people that you know of that are like that? If you know people that are like that, that would fall into that category, if you just happen to be here today, wonderful, great, we want you here. But if you know people who, are of, who would fall into that category, would you please, please let me know? Because I want to call them. I want to reach out to them and welcome them back. Because just like the woman in this text, 
who had committed this seemingly egregious sin over and over and over again, Jesus has words of gospel for them. Just like he has and had words of gospel for this woman at the well. Are you, perhaps, the gossipers? Are you among those who were making the whispers about this woman? Do you know people that were? Are you among the gospelers that drove this woman to only come out when, when nobody else was there? Have you ever told someone that they can't come to church because of what they have done? Do you know someone who has ever told somebody else that they can't come to church because of a past sin that they have committed? Have you or somebody else that you know gossiped loud enough and you knew that, that, that the other person that you were gossiping about could hear you? Have you gossiped loud enough to be heard? We can even be more general about it. Have you ever spoken slanderously about somebody else that was a part of this community that no longer is? If you have, or if you have known somebody who has done that, please read this passage again more carefully and more closely. If you have done this, if you are guilty of doing this, please find a Bible and flip to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Because Paul says very clearly there that for those who are under Christ, there is now no condemnation. For those who are under Christ, there is now no condemnation. Please also read in the same scriptures that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so my question is, if according to God's word, and we believe God's word to be true, if Jesus no longer condemns these people, if Jesus no longer condemns you, then why do you, why do we condemn them? Perhaps you are not one of those two groups, but perhaps you are among the, among the disciples who later on would just gape and were completely dumbfounded that Jesus could love people that they, that they saw had no hope, and there was no way. How in the world can Jesus love them? How can Jesus think that they are worthy of his love? Again, this was, it, it, it's hard for us, I think, in some ways to understand fully and have a complete sense of what is happening in this text. Nobody talked to Samaritan people, let alone Samaritan women. You don't talk to them. You don't interact with them. You don't converse with them. And yet Jesus is saying to her, I have a spring of living water for which to give to you. Of course, she asks him where they get that living water from. And then after that happens, the disciples come back and they are completely dumbfounded that Jesus could love somebody who is considered unlovable. 
If you happen to be in this group, let me give you a hint. Not one of us here is worthy of the love of Christ. Not one of us. Not me, not you, not anyone. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned, not just some, not just the good sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need to, again, remember from Romans chapter 8 that there is not one sin that has ever been committed that the blood of Jesus has not covered. There is not one sin that anybody that we know or ourselves could ever commit, has committed, or will commit that has shoved them or us so far outside of the love of Christ that it cannot reach us anymore. A sin like that just doesn't exist. Because the blood of Christ has covered and paid for each and every sin in full, according to Romans chapter 8. And if for some reason you don't feel like you fall into any one of these first three categories that I have mentioned, then you will fall into this one, because all of us do. Like the woman who had nothing that she could give Jesus, nothing for which she could sort of force a reaction out of him, my friends, we have nothing to give to God. There is not anything that we can give to God that will force a reaction from him, that will force him to love us more, that will cause him to look in a different way upon us. Because like her, we have nothing that we can offer God. I want to read from Psalm 103. I referenced it with the children's message this morning, and it seems so very fitting for what we're talking about here today. Psalm 103, beginning at verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, as so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, and that is as far as the Lord has removed our sins from us. Your sin and my sin. And so what does that mean? What that means is, is that no matter which of the categories that we have just talked about, no matter which category that you've fallen, if you are the woman, if you are among the gossipers, if you are among the disciples, and certainly all of us because we have nothing to offer God, the Lord has removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. 
No matter which category that you are in, God has had compassion on you. He still sees you, will always see you as his child. We've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. He sees you perfectly. Every time. Every single time he sees you perfectly. He sees you as his very own child. And this love, this love that God has given to us, it gives us something else. You see, this love that God has given to us, this love that he has showered upon us and gives to us each and every day, no matter what sin or sins that we have committed, you see, it gives us new eyes to see everybody else around us. New eyes to see. New eyes to see those people that we perhaps thought were unlovable. New eyes to see people that we perhaps thought didn't deserve to come to church. New eyes to see people just as the way that God does. In perfect love for them. I want to read to you something that I was reading this past week about this text, and this pastor says it so very, very well. He writes, Jesus did not wait for me to get it right before he loved me. Likewise, he is not waiting for other sinners to start behaving before he loves them through me. He's not waiting for everybody else to act perfectly before he starts loving them. Are we tracking? He doesn't wait for us to start behaving in the way that we should. He doesn't wait for us to accomplish his law before he starts loving us. I have become a servant to scoundrels and perverts, to the grumbling Christians, to the sexually immoral, and to the self-righteous prigs who exclude them. And I love this last part. That is, after all, where Jesus found me. Because all have sinned. It falls short of the glory of God. And that is why John's inclusion of this story in his gospel is so incredibly brilliant. Because there is not a single person here who doesn't relate to it. Who doesn't relate to some character in this story. And I want to close with this. No matter what your brokenness is, no matter what you may feel or how you may feel about your brokenness, no matter the brokenness of everybody who is outside of these walls, if you know someone who doesn't feel comfortable coming to church anymore for whatever reason, please, please invite them back. Invite them here. Because the feast that is before us, that this right here, the reason why Christ gives this is for those who are weak in their faith. And for those who feel broken. And for those who feel like they don't belong. It is this meal right here that Jesus has given to us, to give 
to give to them the very body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, for the forgiveness of my sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. No matter what category that you fall in, no matter what your brokenness is, please leave this church this morning knowing this. That the blood of Christ, you cannot go anywhere that the blood of Christ cannot find you. There is no sin that, that, that you could ever possibly commit. No, no, no matter of, no, um, um, there, are, there is not a number of times that you can commit that sin or any sin that the blood of Christ will not cover. No matter what your brokenness is, no matter how you may feel about whatever that brokenness is, know this, that God invites you to his house and to his very body and blood every single day. And this love is for, for all. It's not just for the good sinners, the ones who only commit the small sins. If Jesus came and only died for the small sins, you know what, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. No matter what your brokenness is, no matter how you may feel about that brokenness, know that, that God has removed your sins as far as the east is from the West, that there is nowhere that you can go, no sin that you can commit, that that blood that is sitting right up there cannot and does not and will not cover. In our Savior's name, amen. And so at this time, it is time to collect our tithes and offerings. In the pew, uh, on one side or the other, is a red sign-in book. If you would please fill that book in with, with your name, members, and also guests. If you would please fill in your name and a telephone number that we might be able to get into contact with you to share that love of, of Christ with you. Uh, and uh, we will do the noisy offering again today. So kids, if you have your offering, just hang on to it until the very end, and then you guys can come up and bring your offering to the front. And so with that, we collect our tithes and offerings. The Lutheran Hour is our church's witness in the public marketplace. Hear the Lutheran Hour message each Sunday on the following stations. 6.30 a.m. KTXR FM 103 in Springfield, 9.30 a.m. KKOW at 8.60 Pittsburgh, and 12.30 p.m. KRUM FM 100.3 Rogers, Arkansas. Or check www.luthenhour.org for the radio station nearest to you. And visit online to learn more about the inspirational Lutheran Hour Ministries program. Any questions regarding Lutheran Hour may be addressed by calling the church office. Trinity's adult Bible classes meet at 9 a.m. each Sunday in the cafeteria in Fellowship Hall. Actually, it's at 8.45. Uh, in the Fellowship Hall, the school, men's Bible study meets each Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m. in the chapel. The Mount Vernon Ladies Bible Study Group will not meet until after Easter. 
Additional study groups include the Ladies Tuesday Bible study at 7 p.m. in the home of Tommy Overman. Ladies Afternoon Bible study meets the first and third Mondays at 1. For more information regarding the Bible study groups, contact the church office. young disciples, come on up and bring your offering. a few folks that we want to remember in our prayers this morning. First of all, for those on our health list, for Melba McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Mary Fritz, Ella Kleibaker, Esther Holly, Flora Oberman, Landreth Worm, Dana Robb, Erwin Kruger, Erna Shane, Janice Meyer, Brenda Lawmaster, 
Myron Reed, Rosa Marie Griman, Carol McIntyre, Morris Shane, Marilyn Stewart, <clears throat> Elda Nelson, Sandy Voskamp, Caitlin Cly Baker, David Hughes, Marv Henning, Madison Williams, and Ethel Helmkamp. Also, Grace Doss will be celebrating 86 years of life on the 25th. Congratulations, Grace. And also uh, to celebrate 38 years of marriage on the 24th for Glennon and Carolyn Cly Baker. We are very, very glad for that as well. And so we go to our Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we confess to you for all of the times in which we have looked down upon others as unlovable, as outside of your love and outside of your grace. Lord, we can confess those times to you. We humbly ask for your forgiveness for the sake of Christ. And Lord, we pray that if there are people of our community, even perhaps, Lord, people that aren't a part of this church, but, Lord, uh, people who are not yet a part of it, we pray that you would help us to restore relationships, that you would help us to forge new ones so that all would know of the love of Christ that is for them, that there is no sin that we can commit, no place that we can go, that that the love of Christ and his blood will not find us in. We thank you, Lord, for the great and incredible gift of the forgiveness of our sins that we have, no matter which of the categories that we spoke of that we fall in. Lord, certainly all have sinned and also all have been forgiven. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we pray for the nation and the world that we live in. We pray, Lord, that where there is war, that there would be peace, that where there is hunger, that there will be food and nourishment. Lord, where there is confusion about you, where there are people that don't yet know you, that you would send to to them your Holy Spirit so that they might know you, so that they might know the consolation of your love. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, for all those that we know that are in the armed forces, we thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for their service and We ask, Lord, that you would keep them safe wherever they might be. And we pray, Lord, that you would keep them out of harm's way and that you would bring them back safely to us once more. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Lord, we also pray for all those that we know who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Lord, we lift up to you all of those that are on our health list. Uh, And we pray, Lord, especially for all those that we know that we name before you in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Hey, Father, we also pray a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, we celebrate, Lord, with Grace Doss, who will celebrate 86 years of life on the 25th, and we thank you for her, Lord, and we thank you for her service to us, and we pray, Lord, that in this next year of her life that you would draw her ever closer to you, Uh, and Lord, we uh, pray, Lord, that this next year uh, would be an ever-blessed one. 
Lord, we also give you thanks for Glennon and Carolyn as they celebrate 38 years of marriage on the 24th. And we pray also, Lord, that you would help them to grow closer to one another in this next year. Help them, Lord, to grow closer to you. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God, we also give you thanks for the school that we have. We pray especially, Lord, for the carnival this coming Friday. And we pray, Lord, that all of the efforts and the work that went into making this event a possibility, Lord, that you would bless us. Uh, uh, Lord, we, we pray that this would be... Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. We regret the break in service. It's an equipment issue on our end, not on your end. Uh, we've begun the communion service. The first hymn will be Your Table I Approach, Lutheran Service Book 628.
The next hymn is Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Lutheran Service Book 761. Next hymn is Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Lutheran Service Book 761.
The next hymn is My Song is Love Unknown, Lutheran Service Book 430.
Please rise. Now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us to this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. closing hymn is How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, Lutheran Service Book 524. We're going to sing verses 1 through 3 and 5 and 6.
Just one final announcement before we close with our service today. Uh, if you would like to, the science fair is open today in the Fellowship Hall until 1230. The science fair projects that our kids from our school have been working on, there's some really, really good ones. ones there. Of course, they're, I think that, that they're all great. Um, but uh, um, please make, make sure that you would, if you would like to go down to the fellowship hall and see those, it will be open until 12.30. Also, the carnival quilts will also be on display. I've been hearing rumors about this quilt, how would you call it, quilt raffle? No, quilt auction? I'm excited to see how this all turns out. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but they will be on display uh, also in the fellowship hall. And please also join us as we continue our Lenten series on walking by faith this coming Wednesday night at 7 p.m. With that, I pray that you all would have a very, very blessed week. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Christat, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us with the members of Trinity next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you're not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen to a broadcast on KKBL-FM 95.9 in Aurora or, or www.freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Scott George and have a glorious Sunday.